Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hey, Bobby, I'm really glad to be talking about this one because this is one of my favorite games. Mine too. Today, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us. And as always, spoilers ahead for The Last of Us and possibly Left Behind. I believe that's what the DLC is called. We may be touching on a little bit of that. But just just to be safe, spoilers ahead. The Last of Us is a game that combines a horrifying zombie apocalypse with a very heart-touching adventure. And I think it's easy to say that this game leaves a very heavy impact on each player. And this game was created by Naughty Dog, who is best known for Jack and Daxter, Crash Bandicoot, and the Uncharted series. The Last of Us was released for PS3 in 2013, and it started development in 2009, giving this game a four-year development time frame. I can't believe it came out in 2013. That, I know. That does not feel like it was that long ago. Mm -hmm. And when I replayed it, it doesn't feel like a game from 2013 because the AI is just so good. Like, I will say it also depends if you're playing the remastered version because... Very true. The remastered version is, like, I do notice a little bit better quality, but it's not, like, the 2013, like, back on PS3, is still, like, would still hold up today, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think they were ahead of their time with the AI in that game. Not by much, because... It was only a small time frame before PS4, but it just it felt higher, like on a higher pedestal than other games of the time. It's Naughty Dog. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, you they, only expect they put, greatness. They put so much dedication and, and work into their games. But this is not about Naughty Dog. This is right. about The Last <laughs> of Us. The Last of Us takes place 20 years after the fall of modern civilization as we know it. A global pandemic called Cordyceps? Cordyceps. Cordyceps. I had it right the first time. Yeah. I don't know why. I just mixed it up now. One's rampant throughout society. The virus caused the host to turn into a zombie-like state and become hostile to non-infected. You play as a smuggler named Joel, who accepts a mission that takes him on a journey he never thought he'd take. Alongside him is Ellie, who happens to be the only person who's immune to the disease. At least, that we know of. I wonder if the next game is going to touch up on that. Because I think it'd be interesting to see Ellie's reaction if she's not the only one to be immune to this. That would actually be really nice. And just so you guys know, if you haven't, The Last of Us 2 comes out June 19th, which is kind of why we're talking about The Last of Us right now, you know. <laughs> get on that little hype train. Also, if you look at the game and you think, oh, this game looks really fun, but you haven't played the first one, I hope we can kind of go through some of the scenarios, the lore a little bit about it to catch you up to speed so you don't have to watch or play it yourself if you don't want to. Although I highly recommend you do. It is a phenomenal game. And it has great replayability. Not to mention if you're a fan of the whole new game plus that I think Last of Us, I'm trying to remember. Now this could be wrong because it has been so long since I played it. But 
I think Last of Us was one of my first few games that actually offered a New Game Plus. And if you don't know what a New Game Plus is, New Game Plus is typically you start over the game, hence the name New Game. But the plus part is you keep any, like, stats, abilities, unlocks that you unlock during your first progression onto your second one. If you ever get play a game and you notice, what the heck, why is there, like, a lock chest here that there's no possible way you can do it because you don't have the sit, the unlock like a lockpick skill until level five or six and there's no way to come back well the whole point they put that there is to get you to play new game plus now i don't remember how many games had new game plus that i played prior to 2013 when i played the last of us because i know nowadays there's actually quite a bit of people are starting to do that new game plus Mm -hmm. but i personally i enjoyed the new game plus because then i was like Oh, this just opened up so much more possibilities. You may think it's easier now, but it also I feel it's more fun because now you have different avenues on how you can go about certain things that you may not have before because you didn't have the skills unlocked prior. Right, and it also gives you the feel that when you're going through New Game Plus, you have all these skills that you unlocked in your first playthrough. Your your guns are upgraded to be stronger. And it kind of gives you the feel that you are Joel at this point because at, when you play the game, it's 20 years in the future. So he would have become more skilled as he survived in this apocalypse. So the new game plus kind of adds that feeling of you have lived through this, so you have this skill. The whole 20 years thing is the only... If I had a one complaint about this entire game, it would probably be that not the fact that it's unreasonable or anything of 20 years and like how society had fall and everything like that it's just in the opening scene when you play joel already has a daughter that's has to be around anywhere between 10 to 14 years old even let's say at the youngest if he had like a child at 18 he'd be like 28 to 32 years old So going forward 20 years, this dude's around 50 years old. I think the whole reason for the the jump is to give us this time frame of you don't know what went on in Joel's life between that 20 years and what he had to do to get over his daughter's death. And they during an interview for some of the two of the creators, they wanted this to feel different than most zombie games. So they wanted him older. They actually made the combat slower than most games to make you feel like you're playing an old man. I kind of like the slightly slower combat because it does, it also gives, I feel, more realistic. Mm-hmm. And tension. Because it is slower because you're an older person. You're not running around, you're not hopping over all this stuff. Like, it actually takes you time to vault over certain obstacles. Whereas other games, you might be able to just like sprint and jump. But this mm-hmm. one, you kind of have to take your time. You have to look at your surroundings and you have to be skillful with what you have. Something like you said, how he built up this experience. Not saying a 50 year old couldn't do this because there's plenty of people that can do this. Jason Statham, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone, a lot of these big action stars, Chuck Norris that you wouldn't believe are like 50, 60 years old and they're still able to do all these stunts and everything. So I'm not by any means saying it's impossible. It's just always for me, the only thing is he he aged very well. Oh, I agree. 
I think that's what kind of also helped me a little bit that I was like, wait, not saying he had to be like this old man, but I think they should have made him look a little younger in the beginning and kept his look now. Because for me, that 20 years, it just doesn't feel like 20 years, Mm -hmm. like looking at him. Like it feels like maybe 10 years, something like along those lines. But like I said, I'm just very nitpicking at this point. And that's like the only complaint I have about this game is the whole 20 years. The very beginning. Other than that, I think it's phenomenal. With the remastered version, I did notice on my playthrough that during the younger form, he has zero gray hairs. And he actually... He almost looks less wrinkled in his face. And I think maybe this is due to the PS3 not being able to get such fine details. Because when it was the, in the cutscenes 20 years later, I could tell that he had more like wrinkles. And he kind of looked dead into the face, just in general. And he did have a lot more gray. But I think a little more gray may have really brought him that old feel. So, But like you said, he's really not that old. Because 50 isn't by any means old but he did spend 20 years in this apocalypse so he's kind of worn down they didn't make it like i said i love his look after the 20 years and i think they did a good job at like how he would look especially after like you said his daughter's death so at the beginning of the game how they introduce you is joel and his daughter you see him coming home from work and it's his birthday and she bought him this watch that he ends up carrying out throughout the entire game. So you play, you eventually play as his daughter for a little bit. It's, you can't really do much. It's more just you wake up in a room and it's kind of like getting you used to the controls. So like move left, move right, sway your camera left and right, interact with this, interact with that. So you're doing all this and it's at night and the whole atmosphere is all kind of creepy looking and you're trying to find out where your dad is because the news is going on that something's going on with some people and you don't you have no idea what's going on at this point especially right. since you're a little girl yeah i was just gonna say you're a 14 year old you just hear the news and just freaking out so it's kind of you're kind of thrown off you don't really know what's happening so as you explore in your house trying to find your dad you end up getting to like the living room or some kind of like, I don't know, like, I just, I don't know exactly what room it was, but I had the sliding door to go like outside and all of a sudden, I think it's the dining room. Mm-hmm. So you get to the dining room and then you see your dad comes through the door and he's like, stay away from the door. There's something wrong with the neighbors. So naturally, as you're playing this girl, you walk right up to the door. That's what I did, at least. Yeah, I think I did the same thing, too, because, I mean, curiosity killed the cat, Mm -hmm. you know. So you go to the door, and then uh, you get your first impression of what, like, an infected person is. The neighbor comes through, bursting through the glass door and tries to attack Joel, while like you were looking at the door and stuff, he was going in his drawer to take out a gun, and he goes and kills the person. Basically, grabs you. His brother's been trying to call him. He his brother comes to his door. You guys all get in a car, and then you guys are trying to escape from the town or whatever you're in. Mm-hmm. And it's at that point where you're driving through the city, and 
you're you're still in the perspective of Joel's daughter Sarah, and you're looking <coughs> out. You can look out each window, and you see fires in the city. You see explosions. You see people running to their cars, and you don't actually see any zombies yet, like any infected. You just see these people panicking and getting in cars, and there's car crashes. And it's when you get into the city when you start seeing things. People are being chased. People are being run down and eaten alive like any typical zombie game or show. And eventually, I believe you get into a car crash, so you don't have a car anymore. You have to run for it. And you run through some buildings, run through alleys, and finally you're on the outskirts of the town. And a soldier's there. You, you're safe. Uh, Joel grabs Ellie, or sorry, <laughs> Joel grabs Sarah, and they they walk over to him, and the military man gets an order, and he gets the order to kill. So he raises his gun, and he starts firing at Joel and Sarah, and Joel grabs Sarah. They fall down a hill and roll, I believe, and it's at this point. Joel realizes Sarah was shot, and she dies in his arms, and then the intro's over. And that's a pretty intense intro, just playing through. The world's falling apart. Joel has to kill his neighbor. There are monsters running around, and you're playing as this child, watching it from this child's perspective, watching the world fall apart. And then on top of all of that, Joel's daughter gets shot and dies in his arms. And that's a hell of a backstory, I think. I just also want to make one little point out <laughs> that The Last of Us actually came out on June 14th. So Oh wow. Wow, it's yeah. really close to being it's a seven actually year anniversary. It, oh wow. It is the seven year anniversary. Yeah, it is today. For us. I, We're recording dude. on Wow. <laughs> I just realized that because I had a Facebook memory of it and i made a post the last of us is seriously one of the best games ever made exclamation point exclamation point and shit yeah so i was like oh i was like wait did it actually come out today and it did last of us comes out today when we're making a podcast about it so happy seventh birthday last of us yeah holy shit what are the odds of that that's intense It's also funny that they're so close to release release date, even though they're years apart. June nineteenth mm-hmm. and June fourteenth, like damn. Yeah, that's pretty. But cool. so enough of the little happy birthday for the Last of Us. So after you go through that intense cutscene where you see Sarah die and literally in Joel's arms, you get the whole twenty years later little pass, and that's where we meet up with Joel. And, oh my god, uh, not Sarah. Uh, Tess? Tess, I don't know why I couldn't remember her name. It took, I've played it so many times, and I still forget Tess's name. She's just not a memorable character, honestly. Like, I remember who she is, but they just just don't, well, they don't give her enough (laughs) screen time. Yeah, absolutely. She dies early on. What, within the first couple missions? Yeah, the first mission after you get out of Boston. Um, which we will actually briefly 
touch on. And I think the whole reason they kill her off early is because this is a story about Joel and Ellie and their relationship. And any other outside interference from somebody that's close to Joel kind of takes away from that story. Because this is a zombie game, but it is a story about bonding, really. And the zombies are just kind of the catalyst for that. I also think Tess's death was necessary almost in order to get Joel to get this. Mm -hmm. The whole time while... Joel's been a smuggler and Tess has been like a, his partner for who knows how long. And you learn about the resistance called the fireflies. Obviously during some kind of post-apocalyptic world, the government or something similar is trying to keep people intact. And they are kind of strict, so strict that if you show even one sign of being like infected if you're in a house full of people, even if you're not even infected, but if one person is, they kill everyone. You notice that like in the first mission when you're walking around, they actually mm -hmm. execute a family in front of you. And so there's the fireflies who are trying to wreak havoc, basically trying to free everyone. So as you're getting this smuggling mission, you meet Marlene, who is the head of the fireflies. And is trying to give you a job to transport Ellie to Boston. No. To, to the, Washington the, or somewhere, the headquarters. Yeah, they're trying to – they tell Joel and Tess to deliver her to the Massachusetts State House, kind of like their little uh, state capitol building. Yeah. And Joel at first is like, no, I'm. he doesn't want anything to do with it. And Tess is like, we'll accept it because we need the guns and stuff that they're willing to pay for. Well, we find out little after that they get – they basically get caught, and they find out Ellie's infected, and so they were about to kill him, and obviously Tess and Joel turn and kill the officer, so now they're basically on the run with her. And that's when they find out Ellie is immune, because she's been bitten, and it, she hasn't turned in like two weeks. She's immune to this virus. And as they finally get lost from the cops, Tess is like, I don't know exactly how she gets bitten. I uh, think it was early on it was during their travel um they both got grabbed and it was one of those cut scenes where you had to quickly get them off gotcha. oh oh it was when they were traveling through the museum and there were clickers and stuff and ellie and tess get separated from joel and joel has to find his way to them and they're trapped in a room and there's a zombie that's on tess at this moment and you have to quickly kill the zombie but she says she was fine at that point, but she was obviously lying. Yeah, once they finally, once you finally escape and you're in, like, officially, like, in the open world now, after, like, Boston, or you said it was Boston, right? Like, you, we escaped Boston, that's where yeah, we're at? we escaped Boston, and now we're at the, the state building. So we're trying to get out, and that's when you truly get to, like, the open world aspect. Mm -hmm. But before that, Tess is like, I can't go with you, and... Joel's all confused why and she shows the like bite mark and she's like I'm infected but she points to Ellie and's like this is real this is something because Tess has always kind of believed that a cure can be made and so it's almost like Tess's dying wish that she's like Joel please take Ellie they can find a cure for this mm -hmm. yes and it's at that point Tess says could, because they're being followed by the military at this point. They're being tracked. And Tess says, 
Joel, I'm going to stay behind and hold these people off for you because I'm not turning into one of those fucking things. And so, like you said, her dying wish was to protect Ellie and take her to the Fireflies. And that kind of starts the whole journey between Joel and Ellie because Tess is the only person that he trusts with his life and has this connection with. So he has to respect her wishes because it's the last person that's left in his life. And he says, okay. And he takes this girl and it kind of starts their journey of becoming inseparable. And it kind of shows because in the beginning of the game, Joel is solely focused on finishing a job, getting paid and moving on. And you see that in this, he, in the very beginning, he always just talks about like, Ellie, we got to get this job done. We're, we're delivering you to the fireflies. Let's get it done. And throughout the game, his tone slowly changes. Like he's worried about Ellie he doesn't want her to be hurt, and it's no longer about a job. It's more about a job to Elliot towards the end because she's like, I need to get to the Fireflies. And at some point, Joel says, are you sure about this? Is this something you want to do? So he's backing off off of needing this job, and Ellie's the one that starts to be more straightforward with it. So with that being said... We can kind of talk about their journey and what brought them close. Um. So right out of Boston, once you get into the open world, you already met with like clickers and everything and kind of like the, I want to say the tutorial sequence with Tess and everything. That's when you get a little taste for the combat system in this game. So there's four different types of infected you can run into. Runners. Stalkers, clickers, and bloaters. The runners are fairly simple. They're your typical, like, zombie-ish type thing. Because they're not really zombies. They're, like, they're infected. But they don't have that smart of AI. They're just kind of, like, they're kind of there. They're the fodders. Then you have stalkers, which they're more the... How do I put it in perspective? They don't really move. They're kind of like in a certain location. Well, sometimes they they will like patrol. They're the next stage in the infected process. And they can, if you don't make loud noises, they won't really chase after you. But if you do, they will like sprint after you. They mm-hmm. will go and like hunt, hunt you down. Yeah, and like their name suggests, they will just stalk you. They will f- hide behind objects and peek out and just watch you. And it's super eerie. And when you're not looking, but that's typically... makes it more fun. Yeah, yeah. And when you're not looking, then they attack you. And it's you kind of have to trick them sometimes to, to get around them. Clickers are probably the most recognizable infected there is in The Last of Us. Because everyone knows what a clicker is. And as their name suggests, they make a sound like like that because the infection has grown over their face to the point they can't see anything so they basically use sonar to find you hence why they're named clickers because they use that little sound they make to find your location and everything clickers you can't really fight head on per se obviously if one's coming at you if you have like a shotgun or something yes blow it the hell up but you can't fight it melee 
unless you sneak up. You can still sneak up behind it and kill it, but you can't fight it melee because every time if you try to fight it melee, it will overpower you and you'll die. I did, learn, oh, I did learn one thing about them, is the only time you can fight them melee is if they're not paying attention to you and you have a brick. If you smack them three times with the brick, they die. The brick doesn't like, get but destroyed you, you also, once the first time? It breaks after the third hit. Oh. So, it was a fun little uh, and then, life, life hack. <laughs> life hack. Always keep a brick on you. <laughs> Then the last one are bloaters, and bloaters are basically kind of how the name suggests. Their decomposed body has bloated so much that they're like this big, massive person, and they are by far the hardest to kill. Mm-hmm. They can spit like this acid-type it, thing out from yeah, their body. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're spores, but explosive. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why it explodes, but hey... I mean, that's part of video game logic, and it advanced, because in order to get there, it has to be, like, what, like, three or four years of the infected? Um, I think the clickers are typically three or four. Oh, the tip, the clickers are, like, a year to, like, five years out, but bloaters are more rare, because they, they don't have a time frame that I found in the game, like, because they have little snippets and stuff, but they basically emphasize that it has to take a long time during the, the infected yeah, rate. For some reason, I thought it was like five plus years. I think it's five plus at least, because they talk about how. So you don't run, yeah, you don't run into them very often. But there are a few kind of like mandatory battles you have to fight. But those ones, it's more at least for me, it was more of a hit and run style where I would shoot him, wait for him to hit, throw his like spore thing, and so I could dodge it. Shoot him again, wait for him to shoot so I could dodge and. Basically, rinse and repeat until you kill them because that fungus that they grow is almost like an armor as well. So it mm-hmm. they can take some quite a bit of hits. Yeah, and th- there's another strategy that I learned. Apparently, you can shoot their spore sacks and they can't throw shit at you anymore. So then they just become useless and they have to attack you head on. So then you can keep your distance from them without them hurting you. So that's another strategy, but most of the time you have to do straight on combat with them or throwing bombs because they're so strong and powerful. Yeah, but the clickers aren't like the only, the infected aren't the only people you fight either. That's one thing that I think they made good with the apocalyptic little arrow thing is you're not only fighting the infected but they also had different like ais and different fighting styles for the human enemies and the infected enemies mm-hmm. yeah and that's another thing about this game is when you're playing it you're thinking this is a zombie game but this is as much a zombie game as it is a game about human conflict and you fight humans almost as much as you fight zombies in this game or the infected in this game and the thing about the humans is so the infected are basically animals they have a one-track mind they have one goal and the human ai is way more complex because they don't just work in one way the way they design them is they will communicate with each other they'll tell each other to go certain places so if you're paying attention you can actually see 
where each person's pointing and you'll know where exactly they're going to travel. And with that communication though, you have to be careful because if you get caught, they all know where you are because they'll tell everybody. But you can also use it to your advantage because if you throw a brick or a bottle, you can easily distract one which will make all the others go to that area. So the humans are a little more difficult due to their complexity, but given the right strategy, you're able to really be able to sneak up on an enemy and take them off one by one, or you could go headstrong if you wanted, but that would make your life much more difficult due to the dynamics of them. And I think this AI is great just because it gives you much more dynamic scenarios, and it's always going to be a different gameplay when you go through because little slip-ups here and there sometimes I don't know if this was purposeful for the game design but sometimes when you go to a specific scene that you've done before they'll split up in different ways I don't know if that's just the AI messing up or if they're designed to specifically choose a different path on certain occasions with the fighting it's kind of cool as well the little features they added in combat because if you're fighting humans and you can throw rocks at them and or throw bricks and bottles at them and it'll cause them to stumble a lot. And this is a good time where you can grab an enemy and execute them basically. But you can execute them just by choking them out or shooting them. Or you can use them as human shields to pick off their, their group. Which is really cool because it's something that probably would happen in a real life scenario. You grab a guy, you use him as a hostage, and you're able to get away or, or kill off other people. There's also the environmental awareness of the game, to where if you're killing someone next to a desk, you can actually use the desk to kill them, or same with a wall. And it's just little details like this, where if you're close to an object that can be used, Joel's going to use it. And this kind of paints him in a darker light, too because it is an apocalypse and it kind of shows the darker elements that he's able to do in order to kill someone like he's what he's willing to do to survive i also like the fact that they didn't make him too much of a goody two-shoes because i believe especially since he's know what loss is like that may be also one of the reasons why he's willing to go so far but mm -hmm. it's also a lot of the whole life and death it's a apocalyptic era they're outside like the designated quarantine zones so anything kind of goes it's almost like law of the land there mm -hmm. so he's not one of these like goody two-shoes oh i'll keep you alive i'll spare you no right. like he's like you try killing me i'm gonna kill you mm -hmm. it's like a us versus them it's me or you type of thing and like you said he he knows what loss is and throughout these 20 years we only know a little bit about what he's been through. We There's this 20-year gap of between him losing his daughter and where he is now. And throughout the game, you learn little things of what he had to do to survive. And I think it just kind of shows that he lost his humanity on the way. Because he, he has done some terrible things. And we learn that about him. And Ellie slowly brings these this humanity back in him. But as we play, we see how dark he can truly be. That's just how the game like naturally progresses. As we kind of said earlier, yes, it's a post-apocalyptic world and everything, but this is 
a single player narrative story. So you see how they are at the beginning and you notice the changes as you slowly progress. And it makes them so relatable and so tied to home that you always cheer for them. Even though like a lot of people are like, oh, they'll play a game. And yeah, you always want your character win- to win. But with them, the story is so rich that you just want like you want to progress further no matter like how much story is left just because it's so addicting and as you go through like all these different levels there's a lot of like hidden items and stuff you can find normally for me during my first playthrough a lot of times I don't go after a lot of the hidden items I think it's a fun thing to do don't get me wrong but it's something I usually do afterwards however for the last of us it's slightly different there are certain spots if you look at certain posters or if you end up idling too long, you get little tidbits of dialogue between Ellie and Joel and you slowly start to learn a little more about them. And I think it, that is a nice aspect to it because it's typically about where you're at. So if there's something run down, because Ellie doesn't know really about what happened before the world went to shit. Mm-hmm. She's under 20 years old, so she doesn't know about the world. So there was one instance, this is kind of towards the end, where they find this like moss-covered ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. And, I was going to bring that up later, actually, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and she goes, what is this? And he kind of laughs and he goes, it's an ice cream truck. It would play music and you could go and buy ice cream. And she's like, you're shitting me. Or something like she likes to curse. Yeah, she likes. Sh- and then um, <laughs> they had uh, another guy with them who was a survivor, and he's like, so she looked at him, was like, "Are you serious?" Like, yeah, he's real. Like, th- that's legit. She's like, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. I just find it like, even though like this whole you, she is a, a strong character. She's tough, even though she's like fourteen years old. You could tell she's been through some stuff too, especially how she was born and raised in this new world but when you see instances like that you're just reminded of her innocence that Mm -hmm. she is a kid even though all this is happening she still is a kid inside right and that also brings me to the one of the other cutscenes, where as you're going you kind of see posters of a movie that was supposed to come out or just like advertisements and during one of the interactions she's staring at it so you go and you talk to her and she's like what is this and it's it's kind of like their knockoff Twilight with has a werewolf and he's like yeah it's just a dumb teen movie and she she knows what movies are so she's like oh that's like interesting and he was explaining to the, her about the movie and she's like who drug you to see that and he, he's just like I don't know so he's like hiding his past from her but she's like ignorant about the things of the past and she. You also have a moment where she goes up to an advertisement and it's this woman in like lingerie or or a bathing suit or something like that. And she's like, why is this person so skinny? I'm like, well, back before all this shit went down, some people just didn't eat. And she's like, didn't you guys have like a lot of food? So like, yeah, just some people didn't want to have like eat it or some people tried their best to stay skinny she's like well that's dumb so it just kind of shows her ignorance of the past and shows how she's living in today's society and it's just kind of innocent with these interactions that you go through 
especially with the different areas you go into, because you go through a lot, because you're traveling across almost the country, so you see different things, and it's not all just action, action, action. Obviously, there's a, there is quite a bit of action, don't get me wrong, but they took time to like slow down, and so you can actually enjoy some of the scenery, or like learn some more of the lore or the history behind these two or to kind of get their deeper meaning now i'm not saying you can't enjoy the game if you just kind of like go browse like right through to the main story don't get me wrong but it just adds that little extra knowing mm. these little tidbits of dialogue i think i would agree and and it's some of these tidbits of dialogue that you learn what jolt's past was like so early, like very early in the game, you managed to get a car. Uh, I'm not really going to talk about that because there wasn't a whole lot going on with that whole side village. But you meet a friend, and he sort of a friend. He kind of hates your guts. But he manages to get you a car because he wants you out of his hair. So Joel and Ellie get this car, and they're driving through Pittsburgh. And there's this man in the street. And he's holding his side. He's in pain, like yelling for him to stop. So Joel's like a hundred feet back, and Ellie's like, "Are we gonna help him?" And he says, "He ain't even hurt." And then he he guns it at him, and it's right before he hits the guy. The guy pulls out a gun and starts firing at him, and they're ambushed by these just like thugs, yeah, common day like looters. Yeah, looters. That's the word. Yeah, they're ambushed by these looters. And they eventually get their car wrecked and they're attacking. And once you get away from these looters, we talk about as we're going through these buildings and we're looking at their stuff and how they killed so many people. You see book bags and shoes and bodies and they just inventory everything they've gotten from these people. And Ellie's like heartbroken and disgusted that people can do this. And she asked Joel, like, how did you know he wasn't hurt? And Joel goes, I've been on both sides. And it, it's just that simple line. He doesn't give you a lot of information, but it shows you the shit that he did. He killed innocent people to survive. And I think he said, I do what I had to do to survive. And it just shows where he's come from. Because he was this man who was a father. He had a brother. And he was a family man. And he turned to a life of looting and killing random civilians. And it's just little little dialogue like that that you could easily miss if you're not paying attention shows how far he's come from then to now. I also think one of the better parts about it is he doesn't necessarily say he's doing what he's doing with Ellie is a redemption for everything like bad mm-hmm. things he does. He accepts He's done bad things, and he's moved on. He's mm-hmm. accepted that. He knows who he is, and he knows he's done bad things, but he also knows he's done good things, too. It's not like he's just, like, this straight criminal with no mind. Like you said, he had to do it to survive, not saying that it's the right thing to do, but he also he doesn't do it for pleasure. He didn't do it because he just wanted to. Mm-hmm. He did it necessarily for to live so not saying like i said not saying a good reason but it's also not the best yeah reason like he's not he's different from these looters who are 
just kind of doing it just to do it for like the thrill. Yeah, and I think it does still haunt him because in the very beginning when they were back in Boston, he had a nightmare and I only asked him if he had a bad dream. And I we don't know what that dream was about, but I assume it was most likely due to his past, maybe him losing his daughter, but it could have also been the things that he's done in the past 20 years. And even though they don't share a whole lot about their past, they do end up building a lot of trust with each other. Mm-hmm. Once you get to certain portions of the game, I think it was almost right after that incident where they like crashed a car. It may be that same kind of like mission, but they get to a spot where they're almost trapped, but they have the high ground. They're in this little terrace mm-hmm. balcony type thing. And Ellie has like this hunting rifle that she's been practicing with. And she's originally Joel didn't want her to kill. We said before he's killed innocent and basically he didn't want Ellie to dirty her hands. Mm -hmm. So he's been kind of protecting her from killing everything. Like he's always been the one to kill, but now Ellie's like, no, I want to protect you. I want to pull my weight. Let me do this. And Joel is like the first time you kind of see the trust that they finally built that he's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And he gives her the hunting rifle gives him a few tips on what to do and he goes down so basically you go and you have to watch joel as he goes and do you wait do you play as ellie during this part or are you as joel you're as joel and when you get caught she's your backup yeah that's what it is or there's sometimes where there's like two people and i think you Mm -hmm. like she kills one while you stealth like you try to stealth kill another Mm -hmm. one but I just like that you do see their progress and you do see their trust that they go. But it that was a fun mission. Yeah. You finally get to see like Ellie in action, and then going forward, she actually starts and she will actually kind of like you. fight. Yeah. And one thing that was kind of a look into Joel and his relationship with Ellie, because obviously they didn't build a strong relationship yet at this point. But Joel was being drowned by an enemy right before this scene, and he was going to die if Ellie didn't step in. And Ellie, I believe, shot the guy in the head because Joel dropped his gun, and he was reaching for it. So Ellie picked it up and killed the guy. And Joel yelled at her for getting herself involved. He's like, you could have been killed, this and that. And she's like, I saved your fucking life. And they have this whole silent moment for 10 minutes as you're walking to this balcony and finally when you're at the balcony he hands her the gun and right before he goes down he's like and by the way it was me or him and then he leaves and she says you're welcome because that was his way of saying thank you without letting his emotions out he's starting to become like a father figure and he's just Mm -hmm. stubborn in general like that's just who he is their relationship isn't like your pristine on paper Mm -hmm. relationship but they ha- what they have is what they have. You also learn that like Ellie, the reason why she wants t- she wanted to like kill to help him because she's been infected and everything. Everyone always leaves her, so she kind of has this anxiety about being left alone. Besides, Joel's the first person who, despite being infected, despite all the shit that's been going down. He's stayed by her side this entire time, even though they have these, like, arguments. I think they even have an argument about this. Mm-hmm. And she says to his face, you're the only one that hasn't run away from me. So don't 
let this shit continue or something like that. She's like, I want to help. I, I don't want to lose him. And that's mm. when their relationship really starts to go. And you start to see her actually more in action. There's a couple scenes where you are going through like this hotel room ish building and you'll go and you'll see her run around or you'll see her come from behind to attack an enemy that you distracted too. Mm-hmm. That brings you to Joel met up with his brother, his long estranged brother. They had a falling out and they went to his town that he was last seen for. But eventually Joel plans on giving Ellie to his brother because he was a firefly. So he knows where they are. And at this point, Ellie runs away because everyone has left her. And this is like destroying her on the inside. So when they, he goes and finds Ellie and as you said, they had this heartbreaking moment where she's like, everyone has fucking left me except for you. And she brings up his daughter and they have this whole falling out because she finds out about his daughter, the thing he's been hiding in his past for so long. And he's like, you are not my daughter. And they, there's this whole silent moment. And it's really sad because you think she's about to, like you're about to part ways with her. And finally, Joel decides like you're i'm seeing this through the end like you're coming with me ellie and it's that moment i think he realizes what he said hurt a lot but he also realizes that i think he was mad at himself for replacing his daughter in a sense even though he's not replacing her he just found someone else to care for i think he was very upset with himself that he could possibly be replacing sarah when he said he was going to leave him with his brother, you find out towards the end that there are other settlements outside of the quarantine zone and everything. And mm-hmm. his brother, I think his brother actually left the Fireflies. He still yeah, has he, connection with them, but he left the Fireflies. Yeah, he right? basically said it was a lost cause. And so he built this little settlement and he, I forget how many families, he says he's like, 10 families strong or something, but they're basically self, they're getting to be self-sufficient. They have like this hydro electric from the river or something to give them power at night. They have this electric fence to keep them protected. And they're, they have a few livestock and they're growing fields. Mm -hmm. So they had, it's like this compound with families and everything that they can live. They're basically making life again. And his, like he said, he thought the firefly clause was, running out or wasn't going to work so he's trying to live on in his own way and so he was going to leave ellie here because there's so many supplies so like she could live here and because he has connections he could easily get them there so for his reasoning at first before they had the whole fight was like oh this is clearly the better option his brother has the better resources the better supplies than trying to go with this old man Mm -hmm. it's at that point where Joel decides, all right, Tommy, where where are the fireflies? Where are you take where are you gonna take Ellie? So he says, Well, they're at eastern Colorado. And he's like, Alright, Ellie, let's go. Get off the horse and come to with me. And he's like, Wait, I'm taking her. He's like, No, I'm gonna be taking Ellie the rest of the way. And then that's when we get into they finally make it to Colorado. But I forget what it might have been before this or it could have been after this. There's a time you do get to play as Ellie. It is after Colorado. Mm-hmm. So the so when we get to Eastern Colorado, they're checking 
the science building because that's where the fireflies have held up and been oh, working on yeah. a cure. So they were working on this cure at the firefly or at the the university. And when they get there, there's nobody there. They're like, fuck. But the fireflies were there because they found their emblem. So they're doing some recon, this and that, and they figure out where they're going. They're going to this hospital. And they, they're like, all right, let's go. And as they're leaving the university, a group of people come in, like scavengers, looters. And so they have to make, they have to fight their way out of this university. And as soon as you're close to the end, you're on the second floor, you're opening this door, you're, you're on this inner balcony that's inside this building. And as soon as you open the door, a guy comes out and tackles you and he hits you up against a railing and the railing breaks and you both fall. And Joel gets stabbed through the stomach with a piece of rebar. And Ellie jumps down and she, she saves you. She pulls you off of the rebar and Joel's vision's going blurry and black. And she's fighting her way out of this university with you. And as soon as you get on the horse and you run away and you get away from them, Joel falls off the horse and everything goes black. And then it goes, it says months later, winter, you play as Ellie and Joel's nowhere to be found. This was obviously intentional. It wanted to give you fear that Joel died. And that's what I thought. I thought Joel died. I and I'm too. like, I'm like, holy shit. Like we're about to play the rest of the game as Ellie to get to the fireflies. And eventually we run into another survivor and she asks for medicine. And you're like, oh my God, Joel's alive. Fuck. And this other survivor turns out to be one of the, the looters that attacked you back at the university and fate brought you together. And it, it becomes this all out war between Joel, Ellie, and these people who happen to be cannibals, which is terrifying. Not to mention all your equipment all your loot that you've been saving up for that you mm. had as joel you do not have as <laughs> ellie i was so you, stressed out you literally only have like this bow and that's it and you have to go and kill like five or six people and then once you finally get the mess and back to joel you get on a horse and you like ride off as people are still like chasing after you <laughs> but then once you get through all that. I thought it was pretty fun to play as Ellie. I kind of wish we had a couple other instances where mm-hmm. we could play as him. Well, well you will her. in part two. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I just, I thought it was kind of cool that you got to mm-hmm. swap perspectives. And then they finally, afterwards, you get to basically the Fireflies headquarters. There's, you run into little things here and there, but it's nothing too much. It's more about more lore and in-depth stuff about their relationship and stuff but you finally get to the headquarters and you give ellie to the fireflies and that's when you find out the truth with ellie so they did a cat scan with ellie and they found that the something in her brain the cordyceps virus the mutated virus yeah a mute or yeah it's a mutated virus which causes her to be immune but it's wrapped around her brain. So in order for them to extract it, they would have to kill Ellie. And Joel basically was against this because at this point, 
he thinks of her almost as his daughter. He originally gets put in like a holding cell, basically because they don't. Marlene didn't want to kill him, but she didn't want him to interfere, so she put him in a holding cell until the operation was done. Obviously, you break out, you go and fight some fireflies, and then you get to the doctor room. Now, this is this is where your moral compass comes. Yes. From. Oh my God, I was gonna. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, so when you get to the room, you have two options. You can just grab Ellie and leave. Well, actually, you only have you you have to kill one doctor. That's unnecessary. Yeah. But so you have to kill one person because they're like, oh, you can't be here or whatever, and so you kill one almost to make an example because you're like, I'm going to save this girl. And then all the other doctors like scurry around like. Or, they like crouch in corners and stuff and oh. this is where your moral compass comes in because you can kill all of them or you can leave them it doesn't really change anything as far as i know maybe a couple mm-hmm. dialogue things but this is entirely up to you you can kill everyone or you can just leave on my second playthrough i killed them all <laughs> <laughs> so after you make your decision you start heading out Marlene meets you in an elevator as you are escaping and she holds a gun up to you and she's like put her back we need this and you manage to get the slip on her and shoot her and Marlene goes okay you can have her we promise we won't go after her again and Joel goes I can't do that I know if you're alive you'll come after her and I don't think it he yeah it doesn't show it but you hear the gunshot so yeah, you he can inferred her. that she killed her. Yeah, he definitely executed her. And then you start making your drive home back to your brother and the little compound he had. And while you're driving, Ellie wakes up and she goes, what What happened? Joel makes up a little lie and goes, turns out you're not the only one that's immune. There's actually a couple dozen of them, so they didn't need you anymore. And she's a little disheartened like all the sacrifices to get to this point and everything she went she's like was that all for nothing Mm -hmm. so she's a little disheartened and you finally get to this compound and one of the ending scenes ellie stops joel and goes swear to me swear to me everything you told me about the fireflies is true joel goes i swear and then ellie just stands there for a bit of silence and then goes okay Bam! And then it ends just like that. Oh my god. Just like that. And as you play, obviously us describing the scene doesn't do it justice. But that scene, like, hits you. Because Ellie's reaction can mean many things. The way she says, okay, is, it's, it's a question of, does she believe Joel? She believes that he, they just gave up on a cure? Which probably is not true. Or... Does she know that he's lying, but because this is the only person in her life that she trusts, that she's going to lie to herself and accept this as truth? And I think this sets up the second game. Obviously, I haven't watched any gameplay or any yeah any gameplay or trailers of the second game because I don't want... I ha- I've seen one. I don't want anything to be like ruined or not ruined, but spoiled at all. So I think this is going to play a huge role in the next game. Wait, you haven't seen the one with, like, her and the guitar? I mean, that's the only, like, 
the only part that I saw was her just playing the guitar. But as soon as I knew what it was, I turned it off. I'm like, nope, not watching this. Oh, gotcha. So I've seen that one and then a gameplay teaser. Mm. Which is, like, the gameplay teaser, honestly, it's, like, the same mechanics as Mm -hmm. the first one just polished. Ah. Like, there's that. It's the same thing. If you see a group of enemies, you can use things to, like, bring them away. You hide. Like, the mechanics are pretty much the same, just more polished. And, obviously, they'll add a few things, I'm sure, to it. Right. But, yeah, the ending is left to almost interpretation at that point. And there's a question that I want to ask you before we wrap this up. But there's a lot of debate online on whether Joel is the bad guy or not because he possibly dooms humanity to protect this girl because he was is selfish the right word he was selfish that he didn't want to lose another daughter so he's going to doom humanity so do you see him as the bad guy in this light it's hard to say because it cuz the question also comes up is Okay, say they kill Ellie and get this thing. Is it even possible to create a disease from that? Or even if they had this, if someone caught wind of it, there's so many variables that could happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. So like... for me, I think he would. it was definitely more of a selfish action. I think it should have been... Ellie kind of said yes, but I feel like in her mind, it was all the the duty for her and the whole reason they started this journey was to get here and she felt the weight of everyone that sacrificed and gave her what she did helped her advance through all this and she didn't want those lives to go to waste Mm -hmm. so i feel her decision was a little biased because of that but ultimately i felt it should have been up to her to decide if she wanted to give her life Mm -hmm. for it if she knew that there's a possibility a cure can be made. It's not 100% sure. But ultimately, I don't think he was a bad guy. Because like I said, the Fireflies weren't always the clear-cut good guys either. Because who knows, what if they had cured the the disease, but they weren't going to give it to the people? What if they weren't going to use it for an even worse power and become a powerhouse and like a dictator to rule Mm -hmm. the entire world? We That's just don't true. know enough information yeah. that, for me, it was a little more towards a selfish act, I will say, but I don't think he was a bad guy. Right. I would agree. It was very selfish uh, because he doomed, possibly doomed the world just because he didn't want to go through losing another daughter. And like you said, who knows the actions or what would have led up after they extracted this from her? Would they have been able to make a cure? What would they have done with it? Would they have actually distributed it to populations or would they have used this uh, vaccine to rule the population? And it, I hope that we get some more clear-cut answers for the next game. And one little thing also I want to mm-hmm. add is that even if a cure was made... It could still take years and years, and it necessarily, what if it didn't work on clickers, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're so far back, but also, 
life has already found a way. Mm-hmm. We saw that with his brother. So it's not necessarily that humanity is doomed. It's just it would have been a lot quicker if they found the cure. And not to mention the whole reason why bloaters aren't rampaging like we discussed earlier is because a lot of the hosts die before they get there. Mm-hmm. So eventually, if you think of it like that, yes, this apocalyptic could last maybe another 20 to 40 years. But as long as people are wary and stay away from the infected, this it could they could technically outlast it because mm-hmm. if there's no host to infect. There's no way the psycho can keep going and eventually the disease would die out. Right. That's also my little tidbit on it. So with, with that being said, I have some facts and then I suppose we can end this episode. So as a lot of people may already know is the virus was based off of or is called cordyceps and one thing about cordyceps is it actually is a real fungal infection it just doesn't affect mammals it affects ants and other insects and it acts almost identical to how it does in the last of us where it controls the ants brain and it'll turn them into a zombie and the only difference is that ants don't cannibalize each other they crawl up to a high surface and release spores and infect others so it really is real and was based off of this and i believe the creator said they they thought of the idea after they watched a bbc episode uh, a planet earth episode of cordyceps and so the concept of the last of us besides the zombie portion just the characters was created while naughty dog was working on uncharted 2 among thieves where Nathan Drake was supposed to find a mute girl in a war-torn city, and Drake was supposed to form this bond uh, throughout the game with this nonverbal interaction within the game. And when they were looking at this, they said, can we base an entire game off of this concept? And the concept evolved into Joel and Ellie creating their bond during their search for the Fireflies. And the only main difference is Ellie is verbal. She's not a mute, so she's able to she is very verbal she's so vocal yes she loves the f word too she's always dropping f-bombs which i love because joel's always just like come on ellie like seriously like the father and him's like stop doing that and the last little fact is if this journey was attempted in real life joel and ellie would have traveled over 3,400 miles from boston all the way back to Tommy's uh, camp. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes, please give us an email at weebspawn at gmail.com. I've been your host, Bobby. I'm Joshua. And we will see you next time when we weebspawn. <laughs>